encountering strangers, the unknown others that appear in daily life, can be the start of a deeply transformative journey. Pema and I met in the Doctor of Ministry program at Claremont School of Theology in 2017. Our journey has taken us into deeply healing and revealing spaces that have both bolstered us in this difficult time and enabled us to serve others with more compassion and clarity. Many people have engaged in interfaith ministries, working alongside each other to care for the sacred other. Our story is a little different. We were challenged to share a practice across religious traditions to explore how this shared practice deepens the embodied spirituality and heals suffering. The results we want to share with you will amaze you and fill you with hope for the future. Well, welcome to the first episode in our series, From Unknown Other to Sacred Other. My name is Amber Mattingly, and I will be playing the role of host. In today's episode, Pima and I will be introducing ourselves, introducing the case study that we created, and then share with you the questions that guided us for this initial case study. So let's get started. I want to welcome my dear friend and colleague, Pima. Pima, if you will introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing. Thank you, Amber. I'm so glad to be here and uh, to be able to do this for the people who are listening. I'm currently working at Joyful Path Meditation and Healing Center in Madison, Wisconsin, and we have a mission to really focus on three things. One is to provide uh, secular mindfulness, uh, stress reduction, and conscious communication classes so that we can support people in being more resilient in, in today's world. We also teach the development of spiritual qualities such as loving kindness, uh, joy, equanimity, and things like that. And then our third branch is to teach uh, traditional Tibetan Buddhist wisdom. I also serve as a chaplain in the hospital and prison settings, and I often focus on employee well-being and how we can support, especially our healthcare workers today, in mitigating the burnout that they're experiencing from working during the pandemic. Wonderful. Such beautiful work that you do. Well, as I said, my name is Amber Mattingly, and currently I serve as the pastor of Heights Christian Church and the solo pastor at Heights Christian Church, which is a, a very interesting experience. Um, I'm also the creator and teacher at Sacred Flow, which will soon be a not-for-profit, and Sacred Flow provides a spiritually fluid, socially conscious health and wellness services, including yoga, meditation, reflection, and the best part is fearless dialogue. Now, what I'm currently working on is a middle school curriculum. It's a program that is called CPR. Now, this curriculum was created to enhance this middle school student's innate capacity 
to live with clarity, compassion, and radical amazement. So that's what I am currently working on. Well, Pima, I have really enjoyed getting to know you and how your journey has oriented you towards the other. Can you tell us a little bit about how you feel like you are always oriented towards the other? Yeah, Amber, thank you. You know, one of the things that comes to mind is that you said is fearless dialogue. And I think that I've always had a deep curiosity, just an innate deep curiosity about others, about what they think, what they believe, and especially about what, uh, what dreams they have. And I used to mm -hmm. say when I was younger that I like to help make people's dreams come true. And it turns out that um, I think most of the time, all of our dreams are really about wanting to be happy and healthy and not wanting to suffer or be sick in the world. So I think ever since I was maybe 14 or 15, I've really just had this curiosity about how people describe this desire to be happier or healthier or to help others be happy and healthy. Um, and that has led me along with just some of my traditional history that has led me into all kinds of interesting situations where I was with people who were not like me. But I think also throughout my life, ever since I was young, I just found myself in situations where I was not like other people. Um, I was an only child and an only grandchild. So when I was young, I spent a lot of time with adults. And when I was eight, I moved to the South. And I didn't sound like, I didn't speak like anybody else or sound like anybody else. Um, and my best friend was Black or African American in the South, which uh, was very unusual for uh, the time that I lived there. And um, I've even worked in organizations where I was the only white person or the only woman. Uh, so I've just been in a lot of situations where I got to intensively spend time with people who didn't think like me or didn't believe the things that I believed. And I really had to find a way to connect. And through that experience, I realized that we all have a very common humanity. We have uh, common wishes and desires and dreams. And um, we have a lot of things that can bring us together in the world. And so in the work that I do now, I really focus on what, what do we have in common that brings us together? And what are our differences? Because I really believe that in our differences is the opportunity to learn and to explore more that maybe we haven't thought about before. Mm, and, that's so true. Go ahead. And, Am and Amber, it was really great to meet you in our doctoral program about, I don't know, was it four years ago now? Almost, yeah. <laughs> because um, the program that we were in was so interesting. We had about 40 people there. And I would say they were all different kinds of faith backgrounds. There was a Coptic priest, there were Seventh-day Adventists, myself a Buddhist, there were Unitarian Universalists. And I think that probably 50% of our classmates at the time 
um, would not identify as white or Caucasian. So it was a very um, interesting group of people. And yet even then you stood out to me um, and I'm not sure why, maybe it was uh, fate or karma or you know, maybe it was just um, how you appeared in the room. And it was so my I, amazing personality. It was course. your amazing personality. <laughs> yeah, you are very cheerful and bright when you come in. And, and I do remember that at the time. But so I'd like to ask you that same question, um, because even from that time, I was very intrigued about your background and your journey um, just in general. But then eventually I became very interested in your experience and be and becoming more interested in the other yeah thank you pima well i grew up in a small town in deep south texas um uh the dividing lines there in the small town were between catholics and protestants and then uh white those who identify as white or caucasian and those who identify as Hispanic. So those were kind of the different uh, lines that you could really see very clearly in uh, my community. Uh, I grew up as the firstborn of five children uh, in in a home that was uh, a lot of times had a lot of joy, uh, very busy. We were all involved in different things but also had some uh, deep moments of suffering as one of the members in my family um, has uh, alcoholism as a part of their story. And so there was some some times that I felt very um, alone and that I needed to be the one to protect and care for uh, my siblings. Now, I just like you, Pema, I kind of always felt like I was a little different, uh, maybe a little odd, um, a little other in situations. And so it really oriented me to walk in a room and uh, be able to sort of intuitively know who is in and who is feeling on the fringe. And uh, there's uh, one friend in particular uh, who I met in, I think it was fifth grade, and we journeyed all through middle school and high school together going to Catholic school. But this particular friend um, was uh, Pakistani, and so she clearly was different than the rest of the school and even the rest of uh, the Victoria community. Um, and she and I became such good friends. And it, there was even a time where I was the only friend who was allowed to come over to her home and play together and study together. And so different situations like that um, really tended to shape who I am. Um, it also continues to shape who I am today. Um, I'm the mother of two children. And one of my children, um, our firstborn, had an early diagnosis of autism. And uh, this sort of orientation to the other helped me be a lot more uh, curious and attentive and uh, interested in how God created him and uh, work really for um, his flourishing um, as he has grown. 
Um, and so that has deeply impacted um, who I am as well. Now, Pima, in coming into our first class at Claremont School of Theology, I do remember looking around at the sea of smiling faces and uh, noticing you. And of course, you were dressed differently um, in your robes, but it was really more about your smile that I was so drawn to you and needed to go over and and introduce myself. And uh, I was just curious um, about who you are and and wanted to to know you more. So I appreciate you being open to uh, uh, developing friendship. You know, well, that's really funny because when I first saw you, I wasn't sure that you'd want to get to know me because I was so different as a Buddhist in what was a predominantly Christian class. Yes. Um, But, you know, I've learned over the years not to believe everything that I think, not to really buy into that. And so, um, so I stopped and I just kind of watched you in the room and I thought, wow, she's a really interesting person. And I have to admit, it was your smile and energy, too, that um, caused me to notice you. So isn't it interesting how we have so many parallels in our lives? Like, I just learned, for example, that we both had childhood friends who typically we would not be allowed into their homes, and yet we were allowed into them. Right. Interesting. Yeah, and and how... Uh, grateful I am, you know, and I know you are for those moments and those experiences because they they really have radically shaped who I am. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I would say the same thing. Absolutely. Well, I want to go ahead and introduce uh, how we got to this initial case study. Um, and and Pema, of course, uh, feel free to, to chime in. Um, but So in our final year at Claremont, uh, I was taking a class on um, uh, interfaith spiritualities, and Pima was taking a class on Christian uh, spirituality. And so we found ourselves in these different classes, and at the beginning of the semester, we were introduced to a project. We each had to do a a project, a final project, and a project that would take the length of the semester to complete. Now, my project was to find a person from a different faith tradition than mine and ask them to teach me a spiritual practice. Now, your project, Pema, was to uh, tell us a little bit about your project. Well, my project was initially to research someone in history who was a Christian mystic. Um, But I do better when I can connect with a living, breathing role model. So when you expressed interest in having me teach you a practice, I became very interested in understanding more about your spirituality and interviewing you. And this. So, Pima, let's talk a little bit about uh, the questions that guided us for this initial case study. Okay. Um, I think that. Throughout my experience at Claremont, but before that, in working with people when they come to me 
with um, stress or depression or anxiety, and they're looking for meditation or other practices to help them. One of the things that I've realized is that there's a depth of spiritual experience that can make us deeply resilient, can make us feel more free and more happy and healthy in ways that I think people haven't even really imagined before. And in my tradition, we specialize in understanding all kinds of different uh, meditation approaches. So when you asked me to teach you a meditation, I was really interested in seeing if I could share something from my tradition that might lead you into a next step in your own spiritual growth. And you have done a tremendous amount of work and have very deep insights that I have been positively influenced in my life. But I was wondering, could I offer you something that perhaps you hadn't experienced before? Well, and that's and... a great point that you make, if I can just jump in here for a second, because I, remember I asked you to teach me something heartfelt. I wanted it to be something that meant something, you know, to you. Um, and I, I think for me, that was a way of uh, drawing closer uh, to you and our friendship, but also understanding your tradition a little bit more and what has shaped uh, who you are today. Yeah. And a lot of the practices that I do are deeply steeped in Buddhism. They can't really be separated out. You know, we're aware that mindfulness was uh, in its original form part of Buddhism before it became secularized and still is a practice within Buddhism in a different way than secular mindfulness. And there are practices like loving kindness that can come uh, from Buddhism, or they also exist in other traditions. But there are some practices that are the more deeply transformative practices and the more heartfelt or heart-touching practices that really can't be separated out from my tradition, like Medicine Buddha or um, uh, White Tara or things like that. You can't take the White Tara out of White Tara. So, but this practice I was really excited about because it's based in um, a sense, cultivating a sense of safety and confidence and trust and relationship uh, in your spiritual path. And so I thought that was a good connection point that could move our hearts. Absolutely. Um, and I, and I, I appreciate you uh, teaching me about how in the Buddhist tradition, you know, certain things um, are not shared um, outside of the tradition. Uh, in Christianity, it, it feels a little bit like uh, nothing is truly sacred in that way. Um, I guess our orientation is more to if something uh, works or is powerful for us, then uh, it's a gospel imperative to share that with others. And so I really appreciated uh, learning the differences in our traditions in that way. Yeah. And I think part of this process for me in hindsight has been really learning more deeply about the sense of hospitality and what hospitality actually means as a spiritual practice. And as part of this process, I think it's been a real um, gift to me 
to learn more about that, especially as it exists within the Christian tradition. But that wasn't really the main question or the main point of the study. It was just kind of something that I learned that I felt was really important. But Amber, I was wondering, are there other questions that you had that we haven't talked about as you went into your project and your part of this study? You know, um, I really approached it from this, the lens of this is an opportunity for uh, me to uh, cross over and see how I felt in uh, a foreign land, if you can say it like that, um, and how I would orient uh, myself in that way. So uh, a lot of the questions I had really centered around uh, this idea of um, what would I feel like being welcomed into a different space? Um, curiosities about what questions would come up for me. Would it be an easy transition? Would there be challenges? Um, and I think, you know, a deeper question was, how will this help me uh, grow spiritually? Um, or if you want to say deepen in my own faith tradition, and uh, so really, my questions really centered um, around that. And of course, I was just interested in uh, learning uh, a new practice. Um, and the way you uh, introduced it to me just piqued my curiosity uh, even more. Well, I think one of the other things is, I mean, besides agreeing with you on all those questions, because I was certainly curious about those things as well. But I think for me, the other part of my project was really about understanding your background in spiritual experience and spiritual development. So that's not necessarily the study of Christian beliefs, um, but of practice and of experience. And so I wanted to know, how did you embody the things that you learned and practiced in Christianity up to the point that I met you? And... Um, throughout our relationship. But then what happened to that sense of spirituality and that experience of spirituality, especially, you know, we, we use the word mystic and we'll get into that later. But what was that experience of spirituality for you once you had begun the practice and after the practice period was over? And those questions, we now refer to these two projects and all of these questions as our case study. And the reason for that is that it was an inspiration to go beyond our projects at some point. We're gonna talk about that in the future too, so I won't cover that right now. But really these two projects and our relationship and what we learned as part of that and the influence of this meditation practice became our case study. Well, Pema, thank you for joining me today in this conversation, and I look forward to many more conversations about our shared practice. Thank you for having me, Amber. It's been great to talk with you. There's something powerful about acknowledging our stories of how encounters with the sacred other have shaped us. 
Payman and I recognize that we are oriented towards the other in a way that we have made space for them in our hearts, which is a radical act of hospitality. Our project goes beyond the ways in which people from different religious traditions have worked together in the past to exploring the potential for a deepening of embodied spirituality and healing from suffering while engaging in a practice from a faith tradition that is different from my religious home. In my doctoral project, I ran across the quote, and Pema and I continue to be inspired by it. Nancy Hott writes, Strangers, the others whom we suspect fear, distrust, dismiss, even damn, may be sacred. They may be living examples of holiness that we need to survive, even thrive, in a world where violence aims to separate us and mire us all in despair. Strangers become our teachers if we are willing to pay attention. If you are interested in learning more about this project, look for our book that will be released mid-February 2022. It's called A Leap of Interfaith, Finding Treasures Through Shared Practice. Also, we will be releasing more podcast episodes as we look forward to our book release. We'll see you back here next time. As Pema and I sat down to discuss what we might like to share in our final episodes, we thought about doing something completely off script, something different from what we share in the book. And we decided to have a conversation about sin and karma. Now, I think dialogue in interfaith situations or dialoguing with people who are different from us is in fact, a practice. And what I love about our conversation today is that there's not only celebrating uh, similarities, there's also honoring differences. But I think it goes even a little deeper than that. There's a way in which you can dialogue with a partner, a style of listening that allows you to take in what they are saying And you become open to changing your own belief or way of seeing things. And you find these treasures where you might not have expected them. And it is such a beautiful experience to allow another person to uh, say things that you then think about and explore for yourself, and it changes your perspective. It offers you new insight into something you thought you really had uh, down pat. And so today, I invite you to listen in as Pema and I talk about sin 
and karma from our own unique perspectives.